from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Are you serious? If I was to take the title of the hymn that we just sang, and can it be, and translate it into today's vernacular, I think the title of the hymn would be, Are You Serious? Because that's exactly what John Wesley is trying to communicate in the hymn. Like, you've got to be kidding. Are you serious? And can it be that I should gain an interest in what Jesus has done. The whole point of the hymn is amazement. Amazing love. How can it be that you, my God, should die for me? And friends, are we so amazed tonight at the loving kindness of God? Are we so amazed at His grace to us? Are we so amazed tonight as we get to approach a table together set by the Savior. As Ancruza just read for us, she read about a table. It was a table at which Jesus dined and a table at which people found themselves amazed at the loving kindness of God. Now, the man to whom the table belonged was Simon. Simon was a Pharisee and the Pharisees were, were some devout religious followers. They were the, the good church people. They were the, the devoutly religious folk of their day. And Simon invited Jesus to dinner, but clearly Simon was not amazed that Jesus had accepted his invitation. He was clearly not amazed because Jesus makes clear in the middle of his rebuke. He says, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. You gave me no kiss. 
You didn't anoint my head with oil. Those are things that you would do if an honored guest came to your house. If you were amazed that this guest had accepted your invitation, if you were grateful for his presence at your table, those are the basic things that you would do for your guest. And Simon clearly was not amazed. He was clearly not grateful. Because he did none of them. There must have been some kind of a sense. Some kind of a sense of, well, of course he's going to come. I mean, really, he should come. And in fact, he should really be glad that I invited him to dinner. Because really, it's kind of a privilege, you know, to come and eat with me. You know, there was no gratitude for Jesus' presence at the table. And there was no amazement at his participation in the feast with Simon. You gave me no water, no kiss, no oil, no amazement, no gratitude. Friends, how do we come to the table tonight? There was one at that dinner that night who was amazed. Just amazed at the loving kindness of Jesus. Because there was one who came to that dinner that night uninvited and unworthy to come to the dinner. One who was not welcomed at the table by Simon, but was welcomed that night by Jesus. Now, when a dinner was shared with a notable guest in those days, they would generally eat in a large room, and that room would have been open to the public, so that any who wanted to come and kind of sit around the edges of the room as dinner was eaten, and if they wanted to come and hear the discussion with this prominent, famous person that had come to dinner, they would come and gather around, and as dinner was eaten, they'd essentially eavesdrop on the conversation. But that was expected. And so in that day, as they were there, a woman came into the room. And when they were eating, they didn't sit at the table the way that we sit at tables. In fact, when they dined, they actually reclined on low pillows or couches. And the table was very close to the floor. And the people all reclined on the couches. The table was at the center. And they were on these pillows. And it was like a bicycle, looking down on a bicycle wheel with all the spokes going out from the center. All of their heads into the center of the table, leaning on one side with all of their feet stretched away from the table. And so that explains how a woman coming into this room, along with everyone else to hear the conversation, would have such easy access to Jesus' feet. And who was this woman? This unwelcome guest. Luke calls her a woman of the city who was a sinner. Now, we're not certain, but most likely that designation meant that she was a prostitute. And what does this unwelcome guest do? Well, it says in 37 and 38, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind Jesus at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her own tears and wiped them with her hair, the hair of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Simon. You gave me no water for my feet. You gave me no kiss. You didn't anoint my head with oil. But this woman did all three. Without a single word, this woman has said so much. Alabaster was a soft stone, and often in those days it would be used to make perfume containers. It was very costly perfume. And when you think about it, how could this woman have afforded such costly perfume? It was probably purchased with the ill-gotten gain from her prostitution. Her old life was broken. 
and it was poured out upon the feet of Jesus. And as she does so in repentance and in sadness, her tears pour out as well and they bathe Jesus' feet. And she further humiliates herself by unbinding her hair. A respectable woman in that culture would never unbind her hair in public. And she does it and then wipes Jesus' feet with her hair. And all the time she further humiliates herself by kissing the meanest, lowest, dirtiest part of Jesus' body. His feet. This is one of the most beautiful and intimate and uncomfortable pictures of worship in the whole of the Scriptures. And she worships like this because she says, and can it be? Are you serious? That you, my God, have come for me. She was amazed. She was amazed like Charles Wesley was amazed when he wrote this hymn. And she was amazed like you and I should be. And can it be? Are you serious? This is for me. This table is for me. And can it be? Friends, this is the gospel. This is the good news. Good news so good that it should leave you asking, are you serious, God? Are you serious? And friends, if you're not asking that, then you don't understand just how good the news is. Simon didn't understand. The only thing that seemed to amaze Simon at this point was that Jesus would accept a woman like this. And his only explanation is mistaken identity. Maybe Jesus doesn't realize who she really is. Because Simon can't fathom a loving kindness that is so good that it would accept and forgive a woman like this. That it would accept and forgive a man like me. That it would accept and forgive a person like you. So Simon's only explanation here is mistaken identity. But friends, Jesus knows exactly who she is. And more than that, he knows exactly who you are. He knows this woman and all that she's done. And friends, Jesus knows you and all that you have done. There is nothing hidden from Him. Not an internet search. Not a stray glance. Not a jealous thought. Not a careless word. Not a little lie. Not a brief flirtation. Not a lingering touch. Not a selfish attitude. Nothing has gone unseen. Your hope cannot be. Maybe Jesus doesn't realize who I am and all that I've done. Because He does. He knows it all. He knew this woman. And friends, He knows you as well. And can it be that you too should gain an interest in what Christ has done? Friends, are you amazed? Are you amazed tonight at the loving kindness of Christ? I mean, this woman clearly was. She clearly was amazed And can it be, are you serious that you've come for me? I mean, when Jesus taught us in the Beatitudes at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, He gave us the blessed are you. Blessed are you. And He gave us these blessed are you's. And one of the first is blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And friends, this woman came poor in spirit because she knew she had nothing to give. She had nothing to add to the feast. 
She had no right to come to the table. She came poor in spirit. She had no justification for her wrongdoing. She had no hope of repaying her debt. But what about Simon? Simon was not poor in spirit. Simon was more middle class in spirit. Middle class in spirit. Pastor Tim Keller famously coined this phrase, middle class in spirit. And this is how he described it. You believe God owes you some things. He ought to answer your prayers and to bless you for the many good things you've done. Even though the Bible doesn't use the term by inference, we can say that you are middle class in spirit. You feel you've earned a certain standing with God through your hard work. That describes Simon. And that probably describes you and me. Like Simon, too many of us feel middle class in spirit. Like maybe Jesus owes us a few things. Like we've earned our place at the table. And we're not amazed like this woman was to be at the table with Jesus. And Jesus drives home his point with the parable that he tells. Two men, two debts. One man owes 500 denarii. Friends, 500 denarii was equivalent to almost two years of wages. In that culture, it would have been an impossible amount to consider repaying. And more importantly, when the hearers heard this and they heard 500 denarii, they would have said, what an idiot. How do you get yourself into that much debt? That person's not only irresponsible, but they probably would have started thinking, I bet you he's also immoral. I mean, where do you think he's spending all the money? But then, the person with the 50 denarii, that's about two months' wages, and you can imagine them going, that's not too bad, is it? I mean, anyone can get a little bit behind, couldn't they? You know, but if you work really hard, you could make that up and pay that off. And friends, that's the difference between the poor in spirit and the middle class in spirit. Because too often we see ourselves like that second debtor. We're only two months behind. You know, we're, we're middle class in spirit. Our debt's not that bad. And, you know, it's nothing that any other responsible or good person like myself, you know, might not have accrued such a debt. I mean, it's not a ridiculous debt like that other person accrued. The middle class in spirit believes that the debt, with a little bit of hard work, I could probably pay that off. You know, so, Jesus, offering to cancel my debt, well, that's really, really nice of you, but it's not necessarily something that I couldn't handle myself. And so unlike that woman who realized her debt was unpayable, friend Simon, he wasn't amazed. He wasn't amazed at the loving kindness of Jesus. See, from that parable, friends, we we need to understand that the real difference between Simon and the woman, the real difference between those two debtors in the parable, it wasn't the amount of debt. It wasn't the amount of debt. The difference between the two debtors was not in their relative ability to pay. The truth of the situation is that both Simon and this nameless woman were actually powerless to pay. They were drowning in their debts. They were in need of rescue. The real difference between these two debtors was not the amount of debt or the ability to pay. The difference between them was their approach towards Jesus. Jesus offered to pay the debt. He offered forgiveness. But Simon was middle class in spirit and he wrongly believed his debt wasn't really that great. And he mistakenly believed that his power to pay was far greater than it actually was. He believed that if he needed anything from Jesus, maybe it was a little boost, but not a bailout. So so 
Simon was just not amazed at the graciousness of Jesus. But the woman, friends, this woman, she came to the table that night poor in spirit. She knew her debt was too great. She knew her ability was not great at all. And she went to the table with absolutely nothing because she knew she needed from Jesus absolutely everything. And so she came to the table amazed. And she left the table forgiven. She came to the table amazed. And she left the table forgiven. Tears to wash His feet. Perfume to anoint Him. Kisses to cover Him. How do you approach Jesus tonight? How do you come and approach this table? At the end, in verse 48, Jesus declares this woman's sins are forgiven. And Simon asks, who is it that forgives sins? Friends, who? Who is it that has the right to forgive sins? Only the one who is offended might forgive an offense. So by forgiving her sin, Jesus is saying, I'm the one who was offended by her sins. And in saying that he was the one offended by her sins, Jesus is claiming, he's implying, I am God. And more than that, in then forgiving the sins, he's claiming he has the authority to forgive those sins. And friends, that's an authority that only God possesses. So if this man, Jesus, was merely a great teacher, he could not make a statement like that and still maintain our respect. In fact, we should dismiss him as a megalomaniac. But if this man truly is who he claimed to be, if this is truly God come to us to die for us, amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me. If this truly is God who has come to save us, friends, we should take Him up on His offer. For this is good news indeed. The good news is that the cross of Good Friday and the empty tomb of Easter declare that Jesus Christ is exactly who He claimed to be. He's not merely a prophet or a great teacher. He is God come in the flesh. He has come with the authority and the ability to forgive sins. And on the cross, friends, He paid our unpayable debt, the one that you and I are powerless to pay. He has come to reach His mighty hand of grace into the murky waters of sin and death and rescue those of us who are drowning in our debt. We're drowning. Our limbs have no more strength. Our lungs have no more breath. And we confess that all of our ability to stay afloat falls short. But friends, if you think that you're just doing fine treading water on the ocean of your need, you're going to refuse the rescue of someone who presumptuously and offensively comes and says, I'm here to rescue you. Just like Simon. Friend Simon came to the table and he was not amazed and he did not leave forgiven. This woman came to the table amazed and she left the table forgiven. And friends, as we come to the table tonight, how do you approach this table? Are you apathetic or amazed? Are you good enough or are you grateful? 
Are you middle class in spirit? Or do you come poor in spirit? This table is for those who come amazed. And can it be? Are you serious? That I should gain an interest in my Savior's blood? He died for me who caused His pain? For me whose debt brought His death? Amazing love! How can it be that you, my God, should die for me? And friends, if you never have, tonight is the night to come. Tonight is the night to respond and to confess to God your need to give up the facade or the delusion of being middle class in spirit. Because every one of us comes poor in spirit. And every one of us comes to the table with nothing. And by His grace, we receive everything. And if you're ready to do so tonight, after the service, I would love to talk to you. Or for you to talk to the friend who brought you here tonight. That we might help you as you begin a new life with Jesus Christ. That you might learn, like this woman learned, what it means to gratefully pour out your tears and to pour out your life at the feet of Jesus. Friends, we come now to this table. We come to this table amazed. Amazed at the loving kindness of our God who died for us. Let's pray. Father God, Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my King, my God, my Savior, should die for me? Oh, amaze us, Lord. Forgive us for our apathy. Forgive us for thinking that we add anything. Forgive us for thinking that we have anything. Forgive us for not being amazed the way that we should be. Forgive us for not being in awe as we should. Forgive us that our tears don't pour out upon your feet. That we don't weep as this woman did in in gratefulness and in worship. And make our lives a living reflection, a declaration of the amazing love that you, our King, have come to show us. We worship you now as we come to the table. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, The elders would come forward, Brian and Rich. As we come to the table, we begin by confessing our need. We begin by recognizing, like this woman did, that we come with nothing in our hands, We come with nothing but our sin. But we come amazed that such an opportunity has been made for us. Friends, join me as we pray this prayer of confession together. It's up on the screen. Forgive us our sins, O Lord. Forgive us the sins of our youth and the sins of our age. The sins of our soul and the sins of our body. Our secret and our whispering sins our presumptuous and our careless sins, the sins we have done to please ourselves and the sins we have done to please others. Forgive us the sins that we know and the sins that we know not. Forgive them, O Lord. Forgive them all because of your great goodness. 
through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.